Hi, welcome to Neuroverse, a podcast hosted by Carolina and Clara, where we discuss all matters from neuroscience to philosophy and beyond. Today's episode is on coffee and whether it's good or bad for you. (laughs) Maybe we should suggest sitting down with a cup of coffee to listen (laughs) to this episode. So caffeine and is a highly debated topic, not only from like day-to-day lifestyle, but as well as in terms of research. There's a lot of contradictory information out there. Yeah. Just to give a bit of an overview, so caffeine... Caffeine absorption usually takes around 45 minutes and when you consume a cup of coffee it peaks around between 15 to t- 15 minutes to 2 hours and caffeine can cross the blood brain barrier and caffeine has a half life of around 3 to 6 hours which means that after 3 to 6 hours post consumption half of it is still left in your system. Mm-hmm. Consuming coffee can increase sleep latency and it can also reduce sleep quality. Some of the benefits are that it stimulates motor activity, it has been shown to improve attention, vigilance, and it can also increase memory retention and be a cognitive enhancer. Can I just jump in and give a little um, fun history fact Uh (laughs) slash history of coffee? So... I came across this video by Wired mm-hmm. on YouTube in which Michael Pollan, the yes. science writer who we love, mm-hmm. was describing the history of coffee and how it played a huge role in human history. I think I've seen that Have video. Seen it? It's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> okay, so in short, humans weren't really able to drink water in the 16th century because mm. it was very contaminated and so people mainly drank alcohol because it was fermented and this was a way to kill bacteria. Around the 17th to 18th centuries, there was a shift in drinking habits from alcohol to coffee as it became more popular. And there are theories that this essentially drove the Age of Enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution because it greatly increased human productivity, especially compared to a population that was previously almost permanently drunk. And I just think it's so fascinating how the rise of coffee basically altered the cognitive usage of, by humans. Yeah. And it shaped history through the age of enlightenment and the Industrial Revolution. It's interesting that they came to that conclusion in terms of the age of enlightenment. But interestingly enough, there are similar or parallel theories about the consumption of uh, psilocybin and psychedelics yeah, in like relation the ape to who took psyched- yeah psychedelics and became a human <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so essentially there are some theories out there that the biggest development of the prefrontal cortex was to do with the consumption of psilocybin mm. yeah and now it's interesting that the consumption of caffeine correlates or could have caused the age of enlightenment it seems like drugs that affect the brain yeah, yeah. Um, can create like shifts in human progression hum- yeah. and development. Super interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so caffeine tolerance can be developed in a week. So it's a very short amount of time to become tolerant to coffee. I did not know that. And also the level of, this is just like fun facts at, the, at yeah. this point, but uh, the level of caffeine that it takes to kill you would need it would require 75 to 100 cups of coffee. 
How would it kill you? Like caffeine toxicity. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but that's a, a really big amount. Wait, did you say 75 to 100? Yeah. <laughs> In that Wired video, they were explaining how, I think it was Voltaire used to drink uh-huh. 75 cups of coffee a day. No, th- no. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, up till today, coffee is the most widely consumed psychostimulant in the world. Yeah. And um, this has been backed up by science with studies showing that caffeine consumption, like described earlier, can be a cognitive enhancer and it can also improve mood and it can help prevent depression as well as suicide. Um, Although it has been shown to also increase stress levels. Yes. Yeah. And anxiety. Anxiety, not so much, but... Really? Yeah. Um, Because I read that one study compared coffee drinkers, people who drank more than one cup a day, with non-coffee drinkers who drank less than one cup a week. Mm -hmm. And they showed that coffee drinkers had higher stress levels, but there was no difference in anxiety or depression levels. Okay. So, okay, so this is what I mean about how... There are so many different studies that say different things. Yeah. Like this study says that it helps prevent depression and suicide. Whereas oh, okay. this your the study you just read out says that there's no difference in levels. And but the same thing happens as well as not only on a mood level, but as well as physiological effects. There are some studies that say that it can reduce sleep quality, whereas there's a study conducted in uh, the Basel University that showed that coffee consumption had no effect on sleep however what it did i thought it was pretty widely believed that it did have an effect no their results showed no effect on sleep and they used slow wave activity to assess sleep and and the quality of sleep however what they did notice interestingly enough is that there was an increase in gray matter specifically in the medial temporal lobe which is where a lot of memory processes occur yeah it's where the The hippocampus hippocampus yeah and so what they observed is that so caffeine basically can attenuate synaptic activity and synaptic long-term potentials and we know that sleep can be a type of recovery process for neurons and they speculated that the energy uses while you were awake and that the caffeine intake also while you were awake caused a compromise in terms of the recovery process of sleep so although the sleep slow wave activity wasn't affected the fact that there was a gray matter increase they speculate that this may have been a compromise between synaptic recovery which may have been incomplete requiring then the need for more coffee consumption the next day interesting so the uh, what do they think caused the increase in gray matter they speculated that the increase in gray matter may have been due to a compromise between synaptic recovery due to the synaptic activity during the day and this ended up causing the increase in gray matter but during the day because there was less recovery during sleep yeah this was over a 10-day period i believe this study and it was done on healthy participants which is something I want to point out because a lot of the studies with caffeine have been done on in the context of uh, 
patients with either chronic conditions or like neurodegenerative disorders in order to see the effect of caffeine mm. on, on these conditions. So this is a study that I found on healthy patients. Yeah. It also, I was going to mention as well that with as with every drug, it's so dependent on the dose and the timing. Yes. So like different studies... Uh, um, analyzing the effects of caffeine in sleep mm-hmm. would give their participants caffeine different times before they sleep. Also, mm-hmm. you can't really control when every single different person sleeps. As well as their metabolism and how they react to it. Yeah, and everybody kind of has a different coffee drinking habit mm-hmm. at baseline. So it's just, there's too much variation yeah. <laughs> with these studies. Um, yeah, Studies with caffeine are particularly challenging for that reason, for the reason that caffeine has other active biological active components which can play a role and manipulate or modify the conclusions. It's difficult to interpret the data. Yeah, also, so some studies actually give coffee to their participants, but some studies give just pure caffeine. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, like, so there has... There has been evidence suggesting that uh, chronic caffeine consumption reduces the risk of neurodegenerative disorders. Mm-hmm. But something else I came across uh, was that like, coffee can have effects on the gut, mm-hmm. promoting bowel activity, as well as diversifying the microbiome. But these effects are not because of the caffeine. They're because of other active molecules mm-hmm. in the coffee bean yeah other active molecules uh, such as magnesium potassium vitamins it it also uh, reduces oxidative stress and yeah just like a bunch of other different phylonols and things because coffee is a major source of antioxidants Mm -hmm. just like tea um okay so amidst all of the positives and negatives to do with caffeine consumption, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the biology. So the way that caffeine works is it in the brain is it acts as an antagonist in adenosine receptors, meaning that it it blocks adenosine. Adenosine is usually associated with sleep regulation and it makes you feel sleepy, which is why we consume coffee in order to feel more awake. Mm -hmm. And so it blocks receptor A1, which inhibits neurotransmitters and it also blocks neuroadenosine receptor A2 which facilitates neurotransmitter activity so it's a neurotransmitter release which is interesting that it has these two functions which seem counterintuitive or like cancel each other out on top of this there have been several studies as we've mentioned to assess the effect of blocking the adenosine receptors, for example, using caffeine, as well as promoting um, adenosine receptor activity binding to the adenosine. And both have shown benefits in their own way. So by blocking the adenosine receptors using caffeine has shown to help with apoptosis and inflammatory responses and neurodegenerative disease progression and things. And Whereas the other one, so promoting this activity of the adenosine to the adenosine receptor has also shown to help regulate neurotransmitter release and inflammatory processes. So as we've mentioned, not only from like a social level, as well as like 
down to the molecular level, caffeine seems to have this bi-directional effect, mm. um, which makes it really difficult to come to a conclusion as to whether or not it's healthy or unhealthy for you. Yeah, and there's also another level of complexity in that I believe then by acting on adenosine receptors, the secondary effect is that it causes something called disinhibition mm -hmm. of neurotransmitter release, specifically excitatory neurotransmitters like dopamine, noradrenaline, and glutamate. Mm -hmm. And so it acts, it blocks these adenosine receptors, as you, met, as you described, it has various effects. And then through this, it inhibits inhibition, mm -hmm. thereby enhancing the transmission of excitatory neurotransmitters. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. And yeah, it is this disinhibition, as you've mentioned, of, for example, that allows dopaminergic neurotransmission, which again affects behavioral responses and locomotion and cognitive functions. Yeah. And potentially a reason why that prevents um, depression and helps regulate mood, since when adenosine is blocked, dopamine receptors are still open to bind to dopamine. So it's one or the other. It's not, you can't have both bound at the same time. When adenosine receptors are bound, dopamine can't bind to its receptor, meaning that there's an overall lower mood and potentially sleepiness and vice versa. When dopamine binds to its receptor, there's a, an uplift in mood. Um, so one of the reasons why they think that caffeine helps neurodegenerative diseases is that by blocking the adenosine receptors, it allows for adenosine to be present in the in the system and it's this presence of adenosine that has the positive preventative effects of neurodegeneration such as helping with inflammation however this study that i read was from the 80s and and now they're saying different things so in the 80s we thought that long-term like chronic consumption of caffeine eventually caused an upregulation of these receptors so mm. if you consumed a lot of caffeine your neurons would produce more receptors so you'd end up l in long term feeling sleepier anyway so if you stopped you would just have an overabundance of adenosine receptors and and that would be it so making this dependent cycle however a recent study and this was conducted in vitro a recent study has said the opposite that they noticed that despite long-term caffeine consumption when they stop that the adenosine receptor availability didn't increase which for me is, is positive because i'm <laughs> glad that they didn't have any long-term effects in that way yeah but surely again it's dose dependent yes but i think the point that they were making is over time over years and years and years mm. you would end up having more adenosine receptors as opposed to someone who perhaps has a more moderate caffeine consumption intake. You would. In the 80s, they said there was an upregulation of adenosine yeah. receptors. Now they say... Now they say that it remains constant. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Something else I wanted to mention was uh, the effects of caffeine or mm -hmm. coffee on the functional connectivity within the brain yeah. between different brain regions. So, as you mentioned, I suppose... Um, more studies are able to more directly measure brain activity in humans in response to caffeine, which is more beneficial for understanding of the effects. And specifically, fMRI or EEG can be used to map functional connectivity between brain regions. And interestingly, 
there are two studies in published in 2021 that address this. One showed that after drinking coffee, the cognitive performance in a task improved, and this was also correlated with a shift in network connectivity mm-hmm. towards a more efficient network. So it's a bit complex the way that they analyze the EEG data statistically, so I won't go into the details. But they correlated and measured the different brainwaves of different frequencies and um, compared before and after coffee consumption, and there was an increased degree, strength, and efficiency of several types of different brainwaves. And so overall, they concluded that these effects of caffeine may essentially reorganize the network to a state of more efficiency. Mm-hmm. And linked to this, there was a study as well in 2018, and they measured brain entropy. Brain entropy is a way to quantify how many different possible states the brain is in in a given time Mm -hmm. and so if there's more entropy it means that there's a greater chance that the activity in the brain fluctuates more less entropy means that it's in more of a fixed state so after giving participants a caffeine pill in this study they found that there was an increase in brain entropy so a more chaotic brain And this is also indicative of higher capacity for information processing Mm -hmm. and more transfer of information across the cortex. As we discussed in our previous episode, there was also increased entropy um, after the consumption of psilocybin, Mm -hmm. for example. So this was really interesting. The second study in 2021 also addressed resting state functional connectivity not brain entropy this time, but they used MRI to see how different brain regions were connected to each other in chronic coffee drinkers and Mm. non-coffee drinkers. Yeah. So they found, and I found this a bit paradoxical as well, that coffee drinkers had decreased functional connectivity in areas associated with somatosensory, Mm -hmm. motor, and emotional processing. Okay. Which is interesting as well if we think about the links with depression or anxiety. But maybe because of that, another possibility is that a decrease in functional connectivity with the emotional center could mean that you give less emotional valence to your memories or events. And so that by being less emotional, you're less likely to have emotional disorders. Yeah, perhaps. Although I have a counter to that study. So fMRI uses oxygen as a measure yeah however consumption of caffeine causes hypoxia so it decreases oh. the level of oxygen present in the brain that's so, such a good point so if they're using but is that MRI, long, but is that long term because oh was this, this long was, term this was this the mri they carried it out on when they did the mri mm-hmm. they didn't let their participants drink coffee for three hours prior which I think they should have done more. Yeah, definitely. But I still feel like that's a major flaw. Yeah, it is. If they used EEG, I would be okay. Yeah. But since they used fMRI and since caffeine consumption causes hypoxia, then I feel like though you can't interpret that data very clearly. That's a really good point. 
Um, but the other main finding was sort of the opposite, mm -hmm. that coffee drinkers did have a longer what they called lifetime of a dynamic state that involved a lot of older brain regions, subcortical brain areas, and the cerebellum, and the thalamus, which is critical for controlling cortical activity and higher cognitive functions as well, which means that they had basically more stable control of their brain activity. Coffee drinkers or non-coffee drinkers? Coffee drinkers. Interesting. And they suggested that this is related to an increase in attention alertness and arousal by drinking coffee but again this contradicts the increased entropy studies saying that saying coffee... that coffee increases brain entropy yeah but then again those studies are like the direct short-term effects of coffee this is long-term long -term effect. effect yeah so um to finish up <laughs> to conclude so many studies are contradictory and there are a lot of variables with caffeine consumption, not only due to the bidirectional molecular effect it has, as well as the fact that it contains other components, as opposed to the caffeine, the xanthine uh, molecule itself, which is, so methylxanthine is the caffeine name. And so it's, it's very difficult to conclude whether it's good or bad for you. However, Humans have been consuming it for years and years, and there are suggestions that it, it can help prevent neurodegenerative disorders. So in moderation, I feel like everything. Definitely. I yeah. think overall, my impression from the scientific evidence is that it, is, it generally can have many benefits if consumed regularly at low levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also like to continue <laughs> doing that. Yes. Well, so now you can enjoy your cup of coffee and not have any worries that you're... Or tea, or chocolate, yeah. or soda, <laughs> because they all contain a lot of caffeine as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening.